Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Good morning. I am joined this morning by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, answering your lawn and garden questions this morning at 651-461-9226. You can call or text your question at that number, 651-461-9226. Good morning to you, Teresa. Good morning, Denny. How are you today? I'm doing quite well, and uh, we could use a little more rain, maybe a lot more rain. We could use a lot more rain. I think we're down five to seven inches still. It's just crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, certainly, it really helped. It was great to see uh, the, the showers we did have recently. But uh, there, you can, well, it's definitely cooler. And I'm not going to say fall is in the air because it's not quite there. But uh, is there anything we can be doing to prepare? And I have a feeling, besides, you know, asking you that question, is we're getting some comments and questions about, the different types of tomato problems this year. Sure. And, and what, sure. what you know, a variety of problems. But what what is just the hot, dry weather that's causing these things? It's a lot of the hot, dry weather and um, the winds that we have. And then the hot sun. It's it's scalding a lot of uh, the plants and the fruit. And um, because the, the leaves are moving or the leaves are dying, and all of a sudden the fruit is getting sunburned. And then it gets uh, the the cells get damaged, and then um, secondary infections um, can set in. Like uh, they look like black fungi spots, fungus spots, or just black rot. And so we're seeing some of that in the in the tomatoes and the zucchinis and things like that. Okay, uh, listeners, we're already getting a bunch of text messages, uh, Teresa. Here's one. It says uh, there's a large and growing dead area in our lawn. It's not because of too little water. The turf pulls up like a carpet, but I cannot find any grubs in the soil. Should I use grub control anyway? You you can. It's better if you would see the grubs. Make sure that you're digging down a little bit. The grubs won't be just under where you pull up because that part's already dead, and they could be moving on to another area. So I would try to get to an area that's still green, and also um, dead, like between those two, and then dig up that a square foot of that and see if you find grubs in that area. So the grubs may have moved on to the new grass, so you're not going to find it in the old dead grass. And if the grubs are half an inch or shorter, go ahead and use those grub killers. And I know we're going to get uh, some uh, some questions about fertilizing. And I, in fact, every week we seem to be getting questions about lawn fertilization. 
but we it's been so dry and you and your colleagues have said no don't don't fertilize just yet right exactly when when you fertilize a plant think when it's really hot you don't want a big heavy meal and it's the same with the plants they're already stressed enough they don't need any extra fertilizer. Anything that they would need would be water. Now, if you have uh, con- uh, container plants, you do want to fertilize those. Any of your annuals, you want to fertilize those. I would use a um, uh, like a liquid fertilizer when you water. That would be really good. Your perennials, you don't want to fertilize anymore. But do wait to fertilize your lawn until it's a little cooler, maybe the first or second week in September if you possibly can't. Don't okay. fertilize now. It's just too hot and dry for them. And as far as dormant seeding, we talk about that uh, this time every year. That's that's later on, right? That's that's like way later on. You're talking yeah. November-ish for that. So yeah. so don't worry about that. Or if we're going to get a freak snowstorm and that's going to be our first snow that stays, then you want to dormant seed just before that. But yeah, you don't have to dormant seed. Um, you overseeding in the fall is really good if you want to. But again, I would probably wait until. It gets just a little closer to the end of August or into the beginning of September, and then you can go ahead and do a fall seeding then. Do check out the Extension University calendar. Um, That's a really good lawn care calendar, extension.umn.edu. Yeah, great great site, extension.umn.edu. Correct. Uh, a A few weeks ago, I'm just reading a text from a listener, Teresa. A few weeks ago, they heard some mention of ground covers that would be good in an extremely shady area of the yard. Of of those mentioned, uh, and I can't remember exactly the answer, uh, which would be best if you have a dog that runs through the area which could overcome uh, some plants that would overcome large paw traffic? You know, actually, Creeping Charlie can handle that pretty gosh darn well. Um, A lot of the other ground covers, they're not made for big dogs stepping on them. So there's some there's some methods you can do here. So figure out where your dog runs. If if your dog is usually dogs are perimeter runners, so they like to run around and check out the perimeter of the yard because they're they're it's a guarding territory. So around in that area, don't bother planting anything. Just put down a wood chip mulch for them to run on. And areas where they're not going to run as much, like right near trees and or right near shrubs, then you can put down some of your other um, ground covers, like the ginger or things like that, the sweet wood roof, things like that you could try putting in there in the shade. But otherwise, Creeping Charlie is an option. How about that? Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have um, thought? Let's uh, grab some phone calls before we get too far adrift here. Teresa, Twyla is calling in from uh, Minneapolis with a question. Twyla, thank you. What is your question for Teresa Rooney? Yeah, hi. Say, um, I like moss. Could she discuss moss? And I'll just hang up and then I'll listen. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks, Twyla. I love discussing moss. Moss is one of those plants that does really well in an area that might stay a little damper, that the soil is not. Moss is one of those plants that does really well in an area that might stay a little damper, that the soil is not very fertile, that there's not a lot of air circulation. You can make beautiful mosses, and and Japanese gardens often can be a moss garden. You can get pictures of, if you want to see beautiful pictures, just Google Japanese moss gardens, and you will fall in love with moss. But moss is a wonderful thing. Um, If you're putting it around your stepping stones and your pavers, be careful. It can be a little bit slippery, so do consider that. 
but moss is a wonderful thing. There are ways that you can um, propagate moss and you can actually um, encourage it to grow in areas. And I would suggest, again, going to the extension website doing that. It's taking some and, and transplanting it or blending it up in a blender and pouring it on and keeping it damp for a little while. Um, you do have to clean your moss gardens. You have to lightly brush the leaves off of them because you don't want the moss to be smothered by the leaves when they start falling in the fall. Twyla, thank you for asking about one of my favorite plants. Yeah. Some pest, a texter says, is making a quarter-sized indent all around my lawn. Some go down an inch or so. What pest is it? What they? What are they looking for? Hmm, a quarter size. Oh, okay. That could just be something like a squirrel or a chipmunk digging out there. They're just looking. Uh, if it was a larger area, I would have said a, a skunk or a raccoon. But probably you're just looking for a small little little digger like a squirrel or a chipmunk. And they're either planting stuff. They're or not planting. They're 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 caching um, um, uh, little seeds out there or acorns or black walnuts or whatever they happen to have found. Or they're digging up and looking for little seeds and stuff that they're finding in your garden. Um, just look at the area a little bit. Um, are you seeing a lot of bird activity out there? Are the robins pulling up worms and things like that? That could be a possibility. Um, I'm guessing more squirrels, though. Okay. Let's uh, take a quick break. Inviting Mike, you're going to be first up here on the phone when we come back. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, now is your chance to call it in or text it in to Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, 651-461-9226. Right now in the Twin Cities, uh, we're at uh, 64 degrees, heading to near 80 both today and tomorrow. Again, 64. From News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, along with the Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney, answering those lawn and garden questions. And, Teresa, as usual, we have callers and we have texters. So back to it. Uh, Mike, we promised Mike in uh, Carver he'd be next. Mike, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Teresa? Um, good morning. Uh, we live out on a hobby farm in Carver, Minnesota, and we have um, three apple trees and one plum tree that uh, they're four years old, about a three-inch diameter trunk, about 12 feet high. They're, they're doing really well. Um, we just in the spring the last two years have not gotten blossoms really on, the, on any of the trees we've had. Last year we had one apple and one plum, and this year it looks like the same thing, one apple and one plum. Wow, Mike, that's sad. Um, what do you know the varieties of apple that you're growing? Are they hardy? I, I know one is um, Honeycrisp and one okay. is uh, Granny Smith, and okay. I'm not sure what the third one is. I know it's a, a third variety, and right. I'm not sure what the plum is. Yeah, and we have um, it's in kind of the lawn area near our barn, and so it's they get irrigated you know if it starts to get dry mm-hmm. um yeah and they're just the trees are doing really well they're just okay. really full so, about 12 feet tall okay so my next question mike is do you know if you planted planted standard trees dwarf trees or semi-dwarf trees 
Oh, I I think they're just um, standard trees, standard okay, apple that, trees. That's that's the um. Okay, so we have we have two or three options here. My first idea is that because they're standard trees. Standard trees don't normally produce until they're about 10 years old. Um, they're on their own. They're on a standard rootstock. They need to get really big, they, so it takes them about 10 years to become mature enough. Dwarf trees can start um, producing about three years, a uh, three to five, and semi-dwarfs can produce five to seven. But it does take 10 years for the standard trees to to um, get big enough to really have enough energy to fruit for you. So that would be my first guess. My next guess is if you're not seeing flowers at all, um, and I don't think this is your problem, that those flowers are getting hit by late frost and being killed. Uh, But that's not an option probably because I believe they're they're just standard trees and it's going to take them longer to get into production. And then you also want to make sure that there's pollinators around. So my guess would just be the age of the trees. I would keep watering them as you're doing. It sounds like they're in a great location. They sound nice and healthy. Otherwise, they just have to get mature enough to actually produce fruit. And I wish you good luck, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the call. Uh, I tell you what, I was going to grab a text and we'll do that. But Ralph is calling in from Andover, I believe, uh, this morning. Uh, Ralph, thank you for hanging on. What uh, What is your question for Teresa? Okay. Uh, Ralph, don't listen to your radio. Yes. Just listen on the phone. Okay, I'll just listen on the phone. Yep. Hello. All right. Go What's ahead your... and ask your question, Ralph. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I've uh, just uh, it's a, I've been in a new development last year, and they put a, uh, a birch grove in. And, of course, last year was a bad year to plant trees. But anyways, uh, come up this year, and... It's very sparsely uh, vegetated, and one of the, the four stalks or one of the four trunks coming up is dead, is no leaves or nothing. Can I cut mm-hmm. that and trim that? And if I can, what time of the year should I do that? You can go ahead and trim dead is dead. It's not coming back. So go ahead and take that one stem out. That would be fine. Uh, make sure that the tree is getting a lot enough water. Um, birches. Um, they would prefer to be an understory tree on the west side of an open meadow so that they could be protected from the west sun. They could get the east sun and some um, some sunshine maybe in the, in the uh, early morning to mid-afternoon, but then they want to be protected from the hot sun. And their roots do need some extra water. They prefer a moisture soil. So hopefully that will help you. And just give it some water because last year was really droughty and this year was very droughty too. It's really hard on trees. Good luck with your birch, Ralph. Here's our phone number. It also happens to be a text number. So if you want to use either one, either method to call in or ask a question of Teresa Rooney, 651-461-9226. Here's a text, Teresa. It says, I was at the Arboretum this week. Good for you. I did not see any evidence of Japanese beetles. What are they doing or have they not had the problem yet out there? Um, you probably, they just probably haven't had that much of a problem out there this year, or you miss the parts where they've had it. I, they don't do a lot of treatment from what I understand for Japanese beetles out there, and I could be wrong, and I apologize if I am wrong. Um, you understand also that they have such a wide variety of plants that any damage that the Japanese beetles may have done could have been hidden by other healthier plants. 
So I, I would guess I have not heard of a lot of people having Japanese beetle problems this year. Okay. Grab a phone call from Mary Lou, who is calling in this morning from uh, Crystal, I believe. Mary Lou, what's your question for Teresa? Oh, why is that? Hello, Mary Lou. I'll tell you what, Dennis, let's go to Diane and say. Diane in St. Paul. Uh, Diane, thank you for waiting. What's your question, please, for Teresa? My question is, I have a maple tree that lost its leaves too early and turned too early last fall. So this year, an arborist told me that it was gurgled. Oops, did we lose you? I think so. Oh, dear. Okay, so, Diane, I can help you. What happens with maple trees, and they're really susceptible to this, is called root girdling. And what happens is the trees were planted too deeply, and so roots come out above the normal root flare. And those roots, they can turn around back onto the tree and start to strangle it at the bottom. And you can tell that your plant might be uh, planted too deeply if it looks like a telephone pole going into the ground rather than you're seeing that root flare, like a, like a lady's skirt or like how a little kid might draw a tree with that, that flare out at the, at the bottom. You want to see that root flare. What you can do is you can dig around, find that girdling root, and just cut it, and that will release the pressure because as the root gets bigger and the tree gets bigger, there's more and more pressure and the strangulation happens, and the the um, the food can't go, and the nutrition nutrients can't go from the top to the bottom, and the bottom to the top. So that tree definitely is strangling itself to death. So you want to change that. You want to girdle. You want to take that girdling root out of there. And good luck on that, Diane. Hope that helps you. All right, I'll tell you what, let's uh, take a break and have a look at that forecast, see what the weather uh, is uh, predicted to be this coming week. Call or text your uh, garden question, 651-461-9226. 64 degrees weather straight ahead here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here on CCO Radio every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, thanks to uh, our friends like Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, who is answering your uh, lawn and garden questions this morning, either by phone or by text, as usual, 651-461-9226. And as usual, Teresa, callers and texters abound. Let's see. Um, Is Mary Lou back there in Crystal? Did she stay with us? No, she uh, was going to start singing Hello, Mary Lou, Goodbye Heart, but that um, <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't. Some people would remember that, not all. I remember uh, that. <laughs> uh, here's a text, though. Um, what is the latest, Texter says, that I can plant grass seed on areas that the gas company ripped up? Well, you could plant grass seed. Uh, you could do a fall planting in September, the end of August into September. Or again, you could try the latest, the dormant seeding in November, just before that that first snowstorm that's going to stay after the ground is frozen. Um, you could try planting it then too. Um, I, I would wait. I probably wouldn't try it right now unless you know you're going to get some rain and it's going to be cooler weather. Uh, just maybe wait until the last week in August first week in September. Okay. 
Let's grab a phone call from Linda calling in from Cheska, I believe, this uh, morning. Linda, good morning. What is your question for Teresa? Hey, good morning. I'm really enjoying the show. I have a question about uh, Japanese beetles. Um, I have them in my... I didn't really have a lot in my yard, but in the um, eggplants. They enjoy my eggplants, and I go out to uh, get them with the soapy water in the bucket and knock them, try to knock them in the into the bucket, but they fly away. And so I was wondering if you had uh, something else I could do to uh, take care of them. Sure. Um, sorry about the Japanese beetles, Linda. They're kind of a problem. Um, what you can do is go out earlier in the morning when the temperature is cooler. The cooler the temperature, the less active the beetles will be. So either wait, go early in the morning when it's still like, you know, 65, 67 degrees. The beetles aren't quite as active. In the bright sun, they're going to be very active and they just kind of laugh and fly away when you try to dump them into the soapy water. You could also try if it's cooler at night and you can see the beetles, you can try knocking them into the soapy water at that time. Once you get enough of the beetles off, you could try covering the eggplant, but you want to make sure that if the eggplant is still flowering and you expect any any more pollination, that you somehow get that pollination going either with the bees or you do the pollinating. It's kind of late now to expect pollinated eggplant to actually mature in time. But if it's growing now, that would be a good thing too to kind of just Throw something over that, like a uh, some some barrier method, um, some some fabric, or or I don't want to say fabric. I want the poly spun fabric, like the reme or something like that, or a shade cloth. Just something to 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 prevent to make a barrier so the beetles can't get back to the eggplant. But I would try going out earlier in the morning. Good luck with that. Teresa, just heard from our friend Julie Weisenhorn in reference to the caller we had earlier, uh, the gentleman with the apple trees. Mm-hmm. He called in. He, one of them was a Granny Smith. And uh, Julie says uh, Granny Smith are hardy to only Zone 5. The caller might want I was, to I was thinking, variety. yeah, I was thinking that Granny Smith would not be hardy enough. I'm hoping that maybe he has it in a microclimate. To me, Granny Smith is not an apple for, for Minnesota. Um, but, okay. Yeah. Well, great minds think alike. Then. But thanks, Julie, for double checking <laughs> yeah. that. I did not. I did not have time. My fingers aren't fast enough on the computer to double check the the zone on the on the um, apples. And I know that the Honeycrisp is just a slower apple to come to fruit anyway. So it might be even twelve years before that baby fruit. Oh my! They wow. just they patience. just are really slow. Those Honeycrisp. Need patience. Uh, Be patient. Therese- Teresa, here's one uh, that we get from time to time about lawn care. Can I? Texas is. Can I use products? such as seed and fall fertilizer from the previous season or previous year? Um, as long as the the seeds should be just fine as long as they haven't gotten wet. The um, If it's a weed and feed, you want to make sure that it hasn't gotten wet. Uh, sometimes freezing those things that won't usually impact the seeds, but it may impact some of the... Um, some of the chemicals just make them less effective. But yes, you can ahead and just, just store that stuff so it doesn't get wet. Um, if it wasn't frozen, that's even better. And yes, you can go ahead and reuse those mm-hmm. or use them. Teresa, kind of a two-part uh, text here. It says, I just picked up two early gold pear trees. Do I, the first question is, do I need a different variety to cross-pollinate? Also, we have black walnut trees. I've been reading about making sure to be at least 40 feet away from pear and apple trees, possibly planting something in between trees 
like black raspberries or sumac to help with a barrier for the roots. Would you suggest something like that too? Um, I'm not familiar with the early gold pear. I don't know if it says it, if it says self fertile, you'll be okay. If it does not say self fertile, look on the card. It will tell you whether it needs another cross pollinator. Um, and then you will have to get a pollinator that blooms at the same time as the early gold. I'm, like I said, I'm not familiar with that variety right off the bat. And as for the black walnuts, yes, at least 40 feet away, you don't want to be under the canopy of that black walnut tree because the water dripping off the walnut will have the juglone in it. The roots coming out, which are going to be far beyond the drip line, will have the juglone in it. And both of those um that product, that juglone, that chemical can impact or kill your trees. Um, some trees, some plants are very susceptible to it. Yes, go ahead and try planting a barrier, whether it's black raspberries or spirea or another another um, plant that can handle the black walnut juglone between as kind of like an interrupter, a barrier. You could go online and look up the a book called The Best Plants. I'm sorry. The Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. It was created under the auspices of Mary Myers, Dr. Mary Myers with the Master Gardeners of Minnesota. And it's a free book you can download. And the very last chapter in that is Plants for Under Black Walnut Trees. And that will give you some ideas of plants that can handle the black walnut and the juglone and that aren't impacted to it. Um, so go ahead. Good luck with that with your pears. Okay. This listener wants to know, when can I trim my Hetz Midget Arbivita? Um, go ahead, give it one last trim right now. Uh, if you need to trim any of your plants, they should have been all trimmed by the 1st of, um, the 1st of August. But if you're, really, if you're running late, trim those plants right now, this weekend. I would say next weekend, no, but really get them done right away. You want to have all your trimming done, hopefully by the first week in August. You want to have all your fertilizing of your perennials done by the first week in August, too. Um, annuals, you can go ahead and prune those as you need to. You can deadhead your perennials, uh, and, you can't, uh, and you can still continue to feed your annuals um, up until they die. Okay. Let's grab a phone call this morning. Mark is calling in from West St. Paul, I believe. Mark, thank you. What is your question for Teresa? Uh, Teresa, I have a vegetable garden, and I planted some green beans and yellow wax beans. And the plants are really nice, you know, nice and uh, bushy and, and green. But I'm getting very few beans on it, and, and that's very unusual. Usually when I get beans, I get all sorts of them. And I was wondering if you could tell me what's going on. Sure. Have you seen flowers on your beans, Mark? There were some early in the season, there, okay. but now I don't see too much. Yep. So we've got a few things going on here, and a lot of people may be seeing these things impacting their vegetable gardens. First of all, the plants aren't flowering because it's just too darn hot for the plants to flower. They know they don't have the energy to bring that fruit, bring in those vegetables, so they don't even flower. Once it gets a little cooler or if they become more adapted to the heat or the heat just backs off a little bit, you'll start to see some flowering again. We're also seeing that maybe the, the uh, bumblebees and the bees are not flying as much or you may have a lower population of pollinators due to the drought last year and not enough flowers blooming last year and the pollen and the bees couldn't make it through the winter and now they aren't here this year. We just have to build those populations up again. 
but I would think it's a combination of the heavy winds that we have. The pollinators can't sometimes fly in those winds. The strong and hot sunny days that we've had in the heat, the plants can't produce flowers. And then also just the impacts that can have on our pollinators where they can't get out. So good luck, Mark. Keep hoping they'll probably crop for you just crazy at the end of August. Teresa, this listener wants to know, how do you propagate flocks? Um, you can just dig, divide them up. Um, it's not when they're blooming. Don't, don't do that when they're blooming. But as soon as they finish blooming or first thing in the spring, you can just dig up your plant, cut it in half or in quarters, however big the plant is. You can also try collecting seeds and then plant those seeds on again if the plant that you have is not a hybrid. If it's a hybrid, you're not going to get the flocks that you, you're trying to plant. But you can try that. Most of the flocks, though, are hybrids, so I wouldn't try going from seed. That You're going to get the pink flocks, or you're not going to get anything. I would just try dividing your perennial flocks. We certainly enjoy hearing from our listeners uh, by phone and by text with their lawn and garden questions. But if you have other questions and you want to find out some answers, Get on that uh, university website, right, Teresa? I mean, it's such a great Extension. resource. Extension.umn.edu. And if I can't get to you, go there. And if you can't find the answer, there's an Ask a Master Gardener box you can click on. You can head out to the Arboretum on Saturdays and find Master Gardeners at the uh, Let's Talk Plants little table, and they'll be happy to talk to you. And you can find Master Gardeners at Farmer's Market. We're kind of everywhere. We're better than Japanese beetles, but we're kind of everywhere like them. <laughs> All right. Hang on, Teresa. We're going to take a bit of a break here. We have more Where We're better than Japanese beetles, but we're kind of everywhere like them. <laughs> All right. Hang on, Teresa. We're going to take a bit of a break here. We have more show to come. We have some minutes uh, left. 651-461-9226. Here on News Talk 830 WCC, where it is 64 degrees on our way to near 80. Stay with us. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to good folks like Master Gardener Teresa Rooney this morning helping you out, either by phone or by text as usual, 651-461-9226. This listener says this uh, has this question, do rabbits eat serviceberry shrub leaves? They say they planted one in the spring and noticed a lot of leaves disappeared over the summer. Hmm. Uh, well, they, rabbits may eat them. They normally eat bark and things like that. Usually, um, I can't imagine them eating the leaves, but they might. They might nibble on the leaves. Okay, it's a possibility. Uh, this listener has two Marshall ash trees that uh, they suspect may have ash borer. Oh, too bad. They have some uh, dead branches and areas on the trunks. Is there any treatment? Uh, they're both over 40 years old and want to try to save them. What is this uh, call I would, for an arborist? Yep. I would contact an arborist right away. Uh, they'll be able to diagnose right away if they have ash borer. Um, and, and there may be a treatment that they could they could recommend for you. But do contact a certified arborist because big trees are important to your landscape. And if you want to try to save them, I would definitely do that right away. Good luck with that. Speaking of trees, Teresa, this listener has a silver maple whose roots are crushing the underground sprinkler piping. Any suggestions to prevent this from occurring? Wow, that's a tough one. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's uh, not really um, the maple tree is going to do that. Uh, silver maple has a lot of roots. I don't know if you can move 
the uh, sprinkler system. I don't know how easy that is for you to do, but understand that where the water is, that's where there's roots are going to want to go to also. So it may just be um, a continuing problem that you're running into. That's uh, that's about all I can suggest for that one. Good luck. Okay. Uh, this one says, uh, fertilizing houseplants that's set aside uh, for summer, should I keep doing or back off before bringing them in? Fertilizing, that is. You can, you can continue to fertilize them. I would, at this time, maybe toward the end of the month, start to move those houseplants into a, a little shadier location. If they're in the bright sun now, they've gotten used to a high level of light. So if you can get those leaves lo- used to a lower level of light, there'll be less transplant shock when you bring them into the house um, in the fall before the frost. But you can still continue to fertilize them if they're actively growing. Okay. This listener planted a new peony last fall and must have planted it too deeply because it did not bloom this spring. Is this a good time to raise it up? Also, do they usually bloom the first year? Um, So two things there. You may have planted it too deep. If you think you did and you want to raise it up, you can. However, peonies don't normally bloom the first year after being transplanted. They don't like to be moved. They put a lot more energy into um, getting those roots back again and getting established. A lot of your plants will do that where they don't bloom the first year or even the second year, but by the third year, they'll start blooming again. So if you if you know you planted it too deep, then I would definitely lift it. You can go ahead and do that now. If you're pretty sure you planted it at the right depth, just be patient. You can also just remove some of the topsoil around the peony and carefully dig down till you can tar- start to see those those eyes, those those pointed little tips, and those need to be right at the soil or less than an inch deep um, in the soil. Those are, that's like the top of the root ball. And then if they're if they're at that depth, you'll you'll see flowers in a few years. If it is too deep, go ahead and dig it up. Now is a good time to do that with your peonies. Good luck with that. This listener wants to know how frequently should the soil in outdoor flower pots and elevated vegetable gardens be changed? Okay, so if you're in a if it's in a pot, you don't have to change it at all unless there was a disease and then you want to dump that soil out and get fresh soil, um, sterilize the pot and get fresh soil for the next growing season. What you can do is remove just the top, maybe one third and put in some compost and some new soil each growing season. If you want to mix that all together, you can do that. Um, In a raised bed garden that's actually in contact with the soil, soil, the real soil, you shouldn't have to replace, you shouldn't have to replace that at all. You may need to add to it as it will sink down, but you don't have to replace it. Again, if you've run into a disease in that situation, just don't plant the plant that's susceptible to that disease. If you have verticillium in there, then you don't want to plant tomatoes that are susceptible to verticillium wilt. For example, you'd want to plant a hardier uh, tomato that's resistant to that. Um, hope that helps you. But the containers, you don't have to dump out and use new container, new new soil unless you've had a disease. All right. A couple of minutes to go on the show, Teresa. A reminder, our listeners, Barry Strands will be answering your uh, home improvement questions next hour. Barry really knows his stuff, and it'll be fun having Barry back on the air again. So have any kind of a home improvement question, uh, that'll be uh, next hour. This one, this question, uh, Teresa, says, does granular weed killer work as well as liquid, and is it safer for the insects and wild animals? 
Um, granular, in my personal opinion, is harder to use because the plants have to be damp and the granulars have to, the granular has to stick to the plants and that's usually not going to happen. Um, and then it's got to stick on there long enough to actually be absorbed into the into the plant for um, if you're looking for a granular weed killer. I think that's what you were asking about, right? Granular weed killer? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the liquid is just easier to use. You mix it up, you spray it on, it, you're one and done. Um, you can really time that spraying when the insects aren't there and the granular is out there all the time. Um, so for my thinking, the, the liquid is just easier to use and, and it gets on the plants and you know what's on there. Okay. I think we have time for one more at least. Okay. Uh, the best way to get rid of Virginia creeper, help listeners. Out. Oh, dear. Uh, pull it, keep pulling it, and that's that's a really good way. It's it's a lot of work. You have to be really proactive. You have to keep pulling it, and every little bit you leave in there could sprout again. You can use a brush killer or a broadleaf weed killer on it. Just understand that that can also um move into other plants if so you have to read and follow directions so you're not using it around other broadleaf plants because that weed killer can kill those plants or if it's over tree roots that weed killer may sink in and soaking it into the tree roots and impact the tree too so it's it's a tough plant you can but you can you just have to keep pulling on it Teresa, thank you so much we are plumb out of time and i know you're going to be back uh, next saturday to help us more right I will see you guys next Saturday. Everybody stay cool and water those plants. Water those plants. Thank you, Teresa. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Yes, Uh, Teresa, we'll be back next Saturday, one week from today, here on our Smart Garden Show. As I mentioned a bit ago, get any kind of a home improvement question you may have in mind. Uh, Barry Strands will be filling in for Andy Lindis next hour here. In the meantime, uh, look for partly sunny skies here in the Twin Cities. We're going to get up to around 80, and that holds true for tomorrow as well. No mention of any precipitation, much needed, by the way, both today and tomorrow. But maybe this week we'll have chances here and there. Right now it's overcast. You may see sunshine. It's 64 degrees here in the Twin Cities. Stay with us. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. 
The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.